Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and we have reached the end of phase four of the MCU. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, directed by Ryan Coogler. This was a lot. This was definitely a lot to talk about. Let's introduce the panel. First, I got the super producer in his Everett Ross role today, Jay Christie. What's good, brother? You stole the joke right out of my mouth. I believe I made that in the text, and I was hoping to make it on the pod, but it's only appropriate that you got to use it this time. Yes, yes, for sure. And we do have a do have a couple of guests with us. Please to have them join us. First, friend of the show. You know him as Dragonfly Jones. We know him as Tyler. Tyler, what's going on, sir? What's going on, man? Happy to be back. Always a good time hopping on with y'all. Yes, for sure. And we have a newcomer. We have a newcomer. We know her from she's done stuff on on Bomb. Everybody who's who listens to us knows about Black Opinions Matter and things like that. Also, she produces Mariano, friend of the show. She produces his show, All for the Love. We got Bethany Anderson here for the first time. Bethany, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm great. I'm happy to be here. I'm like honestly honored that you guys asked me to join you guys today. Oh shucks. The, the the pleasure and honor <laughs> yeah. is is all ours. So let's kick it off with this. I will just say this. In the time leading up to this film, there's been a lot of discussion about what it would look like, what it would be, considering Chadwick Boseman's passing, and there's been a lot of discussion about recasting that we'll get to later in the show. And just it's been a lot. It's been heavy. Just the idea of getting this film off the ground and getting it done and on the screen has been quite a chore for Ryan Coogler to do. I've always said this. I feel like it it was an unenviable task. And I have to be honest with you. He what he did here was incredibly special, special beyond anything that any of us probably could have dreamed of. And let's just talk about first general thoughts on the film and theater experience because i feel like this theater experience was something very unique so bethany you're the first timer here let us know your general thoughts and also your theater experience well i'm gonna start by saying this that i was a huge huge chadwick boseman fan as an actor and when he passed i honestly was not interested in seeing another black panther Hmm. so I avoided every trailer. I didn't want to see any press junkets. I didn't want to see any interviews leading up to it. I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to use this as a part of the grieving process and go and check this film out and just see how Ryan Coogler decided to handle this film. However, I went to see The Woman King and they showed the Wakanda Forever trailer after I had been avoiding it for months and I burst into tears. I was sobbing. I was boohooing like... It was embarrassing how torn up I was, but um, I was just, I, I realized in that theater that I was emotionally unprepared to see Wakanda forever. And I was just not in the mood. I wasn't in the mental space to even see the film. I had tickets to go see it earlier Thursday. Didn't go. Mm-hmm. I didn't go. So I was like, you know what? I have to see this because I knew I was joining you guys. So I bought tickets for the midnight showing and I went by myself. I bought two tickets uh, beside me and I had mine so I could just be by myself and not have anyone beside me so I could 
grieve and sob and be a mess in peace and not disturb anybody else. But um, I just went in knowing that I was just going to be a wreck. Mm. Wow. Wow. Um, that's incredible stuff. Um, just to, just to add on that, what, if you, if you could just describe like general thoughts, cause we'll definitely get into the meat of the film. I just want to hear what you thought about the film and how it came out overall. Um, general thought. So after the movie was done, I enjoyed the experience, like the theater experience. I love the like moment of silence that I feel like Ryan Coogler was able to write perfectly and direct it where the audience had no choice but to just sit there and take yeah. everything in. The theater was just pitch like it was quiet. Although there was a baby in my theater, but even the baby <laughs> was like, <laughs> was silent. But um, I honestly was watching the movie like this the whole time. I was had my hand on my head, my, my hand, uh, my head on my hand. And I was a bit upset with the movie. I wasn't really happy with it. And when it ended um, before the, you know, first uh, credits rolled, I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to see this again. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. No, we'll, we'll dive into this more as we yes. go. Yes. But uh, but I want to hear from Tyler. Tyler, how about you? General thoughts and theater experience. Sure. So, um, you know, OK, like, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, we all know that this film was like, you know, send off for, for 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 Chadwick. Like, that's the premise. And, you know, we all knew that would be the premise from, you know, when we first got that unfortunate news that we had lost them, which is why, you know, um, you know, there was a certain part of me that I don't want to say was relieved by the opening scene that addressed us losing Chadwick but it felt like you know that was a good move on Coogler's part to acknowledge that you know we lost Chadwick at the very top of the movie um because you know like you said Anthony uh Coogler had to carry out an incredibly you know daunting task with this movie where I felt like he had to walk an incredibly fine line with this movie where we have to and you know should acknowledge and feel the weight of Chadwick's absence, but not in a way that it crushes us or takes the air out of the room during the movie. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, and, and I felt like, you know, the weight had to be heavy there because this was just a, an insurmountable loss. But like I said, he had to walk that tightrope where it doesn't kind of sabotage the movie. And I think that he did well on, on, on that accord. And, you know, it, it was a un extremely unique challenge because this isn't just, you know, losing, you know, uh, to T'Challa. It's not just losing an MCU character. We lost Chadwick. Yeah. You know, you know, mm -hmm. like, for instance, you know, Tony Stark was killed in Infinity War. The directors of, of you know, Multiverse of Madness with Doctor Strange, who's like, you know, basically Iron Man's second in command who's stepping up now in, in Tony Stark's absence or, you know, No Way Home with Peter Parker, who was, you know, the prized pupil of Tony Stark. They didn't have to deal with the loss of Tony Stark with the same care, the same sense of duty, the same, you know, mm -hmm. sensitivity and appreciation because, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is still here. Right. You know right. what I mean? You, you know, and, and Kugler had to honor that and deal with the loss of, of Chadwick here because in those other movies, like I mentioned, Multiverse of Madness, No Way Home, like, yeah, we lost Tony Stark. Okay, plot device. That's the way we further the story here. The show must go on. That's not the case here. You know, we lost Chadwick, man. This wasn't this wasn't part of the plan, not just in terms of, of plot development, but just in 
and like you know the scope of life period you know Chadwick right. was only 43 he should still be here yeah. you know it, it it was just an incredibly daunting task that Kugler had to deal with and I think that he handled that with as much care as he could have and I was um you know it, it kind of hit me emotionally in, in regards to that um and in, in regards to the movie going experience you know, my wife and I, we're usually like the matinee goers. We try to avoid the crowds. Like, you know, we're the type who, who when we want to see a movie, we'll go on like a Wednesday night or like early on a Saturday <laughs> morning. But but with this one, he's like, nah, man, we got to go to like that Friday night one. With, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a different crowd. You know what I'm saying? Just to put it out there, we are black and we wanted to be around black people and take this yeah. in because, you know, we lost a legit black superhero. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's what Chabic was to us. Like, you know, there was there was the running joke that, you know, Chabuk was going to play every black man in every biopic ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like there was a joke that 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 when they made the Chabuk Bozeman biopic, seventy year old Chabuk was going to play fifteen year old Chabuk, right? You know what I mean? So Chabuk just meant so much to us. You know, he was he was legit. You know, black film royalty. He was so integral to, to telling our stories. He was Jackie Robinson. He was you know James Brown. You know, he was um, you know Thurgood Marshall. He was just so integral to telling the stories of black Americans and you know, the loss is just insurmountable. And I felt like Kugler handled it in a very, very classy way there. I, I couldn't agree with that more. Jake, how about you, sir? So I, my theater experience was actually kind of, uh, I went on Thursday night uh, at IMAX, and for some reason, when I bought the tickets, Fandango marked the two empty wheelchair seats as regular seats. So that's what I quote unquote bought. And when I got to the theater, I told told I didn't have seats, so I had to sit in the way front row, which was not a great. But thankfully, it was an IMAX theater, so like you know how they have the space between the IMAX, so like mm. it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But I can say that. I honestly think I started crying probably like 10 seconds into the movie, and I don't mm-hmm. think I stopped until the Marvel Studios logo came out. Mm. Uh, I'm a very easy cry in movies, but I thought that what Tyler was saying about them doing it up top was, I think, what they needed to do. Mm. And I think the thing about it, which felt very tasteful, is that everyone knows that this is the movie where T'Challa is going to have to die. They they didn't even bother trying to make it a surprise. Like it wasn't it wasn't a plot device because that would have right. felt like really shitty yeah, if it, it was. It, like, it'd have been like so cheap. It was like oh, T'Challa's visiting another country and his plane crashed. Like we know, yeah, like, that was not well, the way it, to it, this. that like we know that it is the movie is going to start or towards the beginning of it. There is some way that T'Challa is going to pass, and I think that making the characters feel as so- surprised, but also like as unmoored as viewers might have that like trying to have what is being portrayed on screen to be as close as what you imagine the cast and crew felt when they heard about it i think was the best way to go because as you were saying we're not just grieving t'challa we're grieving chadwick and there are times where you want the lines between actor and character to be very firm but this is not one of those times you know that like i feel like until this movie came out that a lot of people that there was the, the, the grieving process for Chadwick Boseman wasn't over. And so I thought that that was handled really well. And I think that the, the, the challenge I thought about this movie was going to be that I actually had full faith that they'd be able to honor his memory in the way that they handled his character because they're, Brad Kruger is such a thoughtful filmmaker. I don't think he would have done the movie if he didn't think he could do it. And I think the thing that movie accomplished, which I really thought was nice, was that at a certain point, and I was thinking, this is the hardest thing about it, is that at a certain point, there does have to be a plot of a movie. Like, the movie can't plot be about 
the death of T'Challa entirely. Like, there has to be things that happen. And there's a there's a temptation to just want to make the whole movie about um, this this shock of T'Challa's death. And I think that that could be interesting, but it's not... That's not a propulsive superhero movie. And I think the thing that I liked is that even when the movie was not about T'Challa's passing and Chadwick's passing, it was imbued in that that like especially the way that Letitia Wright who I really impressed me it felt like in every scene she was carrying that weight and like that's kind of the way that real grief is like real grief is not just you can feel grief for someone you don't have to be talking about them you don't have to be looking at their monument you don't have to be but in the way that you handle situations their spirit you can feel it in them and I thought that like even though they they had the funeral up top to Charles passing and Chadwick passing was in every frame of the movie. And I thought that that was really special. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I, I I don't really know how I rank it overall because it's such an emotional movie that like, it's hard to really only seeing it once. It's hard to think about it in the grand scheme of things. But like my thought about it was just, you know what? Ryan Coogler was dealt one of the worst hands. And I think that he handled it so beautifully and with such grace. And that I, I, what I think about the movie objectively is actually not important to me at all. Is that the feeling that I had was I felt whole with the character and the actor and the story. Yeah, I think all of that is fair. These are these are really it's really interesting to kind of go back and think of the first Black Panther and kind of what that meant. And and as you get into this one, it just feels like two completely different worlds. In, in a lot of ways, like, it doesn't even feel like an MCU movie. It's kind of like the way that I viewed it going into it in that moment of silence at the top and just the pin drop that you hear in the theater. And just as was said before, you had to take that in. And I think it's one of those things where you felt what Ryan Coogler was trying to do and he made no mistake or no bones about it is in terms of parallels between all of the characters and their actual selves, their actual counterparts and what they were going through. And I thought it was a beautiful way in that he had that weaved into with Queen Ramonda and, and Nakia, Okoye, everybody involved, specifically, Jake, as Jake mentioned, Letitia Wright, who I have to say that was a very powerful performance by her. In a lot of ways, you saw the range of emotions that she displayed from anger to frustration to just sadness and the sitting in silence of it all that we got at the end of it was just it was just a lot of powerful stuff it's one of those things where i think jake said it you can't really rank this movie and think about it that way because it just is just different it's just different and the night before i went to see the movie i listened to the black panther podcast and tanahasi coates spoke to Ryan Coogler on it. And I would recommend everybody just listen to that if you get a chance, because the way that Ryan talks about how this came to be, where he had written the sequel to Black Panther, everything was set up. He had a wonderful story to how to take, where to take T'Challa and where the story was going. And two weeks before Chadwick passed, he calls Chadwick and he, he says, hey, I want you to read the script. I finished. I ju- I'm going to send notes to the studio and whatever. And we got something good. And Chadwick said, no, I don't want to read it. And Ryan, in reflecting on that, just felt that in like looking back on it, that Chadwick was tired and 
you know, it felt like one of those things. But he, you know, you don't pay attention to that stuff at the time. And it brings me back to the beginning of the movie with with Shuri as she's so focused on trying to save her her brother and not paying attention to the fact that spending time with him, realizing that his time is short, was such a powerful message on so many levels because uh truth be told like in the past year um i lost both my grandmothers and there was one instance where i hadn't spoken to one of them in in a while and it's not one of those things like, like it was just like bad blood or anything like that it was just time passed you're busy with life stuff like that happens like it just it it, it does you don't realize that you don't do it and then when you go to see them, you can't speak to them because that's it. It's done. So the, when I see Shuri, when I see Letitia Wright and what she did at the beginning of that film, no, that thing broke me, man. It really did. Like, it really, really just took, it took me to a place of what the human element is with this film. And I think that's what a lot of people necessarily don't get and i think it's a lot of the the recasting t'challa scenario that has taken on taken a very weird turn on the internet where i just feel like people don't have the emotional intelligence and just have a a a heavy level of narcissism when they think about the character and what it specifically means to them and their wants and their needs and not looking at what these people from director to cast what these people just lost what we all lost, as Tyler said earlier. So when I think about this movie, incredibly powerful. Is it at times too long? Sure. Sure. It, sometimes there's some stretches where I would say that it was a little, there's a little too much movie in it. But I think the overall message that Ryan Coogler wanted to deliver is, hey, we lost this person. This is what he meant to us. And that was the most important thing that he wanted to get across in this movie and do it with such care and such good taste and with just love from everybody involved that you can't help but feel empathy for them and as a fan the reminder that like Chadwick Boseman's absence in this movie was felt and I don't mean that as a denigration to anybody who worked on that movie and put that thing together his absence right. was felt and they wanted us to know that yeah and I think they did a wonderful job in doing that and i think you can just quickly as i go through through the uh the theater experience it was kind of the similar thing the the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie had the same pin drop that you could not silence silence yeah. and i think it was very effective it was incredibly effective so i don't know when i'll see this movie again i feel like i will but it's a very heavy movie but yeah. there are a lot of character performances that I want to go through because there were a lot of strong, incredibly strong performances. And I want to start with who I felt carried the first act of this movie um, pretty strongly. And that was Angela Bassett's Queen mm -hmm. Ramonda. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler, I'll start with you here. There's a lot of moments in this film that she just delivers. I feel like the scene that stands out the most to me is the one with Okoye where she's, you know, after Shuri gets abducted and Riri gets abducted, she's going back and forth with Okoye. And this is somebody who's been sitting with 
the loss of her husband, the the loss of her son, and now her daughter's been abducted. And Okoye is trying to... And in an instance, you kind of get what Okoye is saying, Mm -hmm. but in that moment, you feel this really strong person break. And you felt that frustration. And that is like a shining example of what Angela Bass is. And I feel like Jake said it uh, offline, Oscar-worthy performance. I would say yes, absolutely. Tyler, what did you think of Angela Bass's performance in this film? Oh, I thought she was phenomenal. I'm I'm all aboard the Oscar train too. That scene in the UN, the second scene, where you know she basically you know told that the the, the whole panel of nations that you know she's not worried about what vibr you know the power of vibranium. She's worried about the evil hands that it'll fall into. Like that speech that she gave that I'm doing no justice to because it was powerful as hell when she delivered it. Like I mean, just you know she really stepped up. Um, I think that that she kind of I I think she served as kind of a contrast to T'Challa. I think T'Challa was kind of the the soft-spoken, regal, yet grounded king, and she was kind of more iron-fisted. Like, you know, you know, going to what you said about the scene with Okoye, like, she was like, you know, your efforts or what, no one would, would ever question Okoye's efforts. We all know that she would die, you know, to 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 defend Wakanda, to save Shuri, whatever. But, uh, but you know, during that queen, um, during that scene, Angela Bassett was just like, yo, that just isn't enough. Like, you know, the, the results are what matters here, which is like a very, you know, queen thing to say where you're just putting aside personal, you know, relationships and, and, and just getting to the bottom line of things. And she broke Okoye in that moment. Like Okoye was devastated. Right. And we've yeah. never mm-hmm. we've never seen her like that. And um, so, yeah, I think Angela Bassett did a really good job of carrying the film. And I also think that, um, like I said, I think she, she served as a good contrast to, you know, um, to to to. Um, to T'Challa, to Chadwick's, you know, soft-spoken, mm-hmm. regal way of approaching, you know, ruling. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. I mean, you could even talk about the beginning scene when she's at the UN and she's explaining mm-hmm. to them, folks, yeah. we hear what you say, we know what mm-hmm. you say, we know, but we also know what you do. And yeah. just the way that she exhibited yeah. that too. But go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, I think the thing that was so powerful to me about the scene with Okoye is that we expect, especially f- fictional characters, when they go through grief and horrible things happening to them, we expect them to have grace. And of course you want them to have grace. Grace is something to be aspired to, but sometimes we need to allow people to not that sometimes you can't. And sometimes you do lose your son, you lose your husband and you might lose your daughter. And I think that it was that she showed that like, this is re- like, this is weight on her, you know, that like, we as an audience know that Okoye did her best, that Okoye's intentions were good. But at a certain point, like you were saying, Tyler, it's just not good enough that like she has had to, as the queen, put on this very graceful way of accepting the shit that the world has thrown at her. And at a certain point, it's like, how much how much shit do you have to take when you still can't lose your cool? You know what I mean? And I think that was really powerful because, like I said, we know that Okoye is a good person. We know Okoye wasn't trying to do the wrong thing. But it's also like, why is it why is it always the person who has particularly why is it always the woman who has horrible things happen to her? Why is it her responsibility to act gracefully? Why is it her responsibility to absolve people of their failures? She had enough, and I completely understand it. And I thought that she it was a great scene because it's also like yelling in movies can so easily feel fake. And I felt every single inch of what she was saying in my body. And it didn't feel like it was an Oscar clip. It felt like a real moment. And 
I, I was just completely blown away by it because it really felt like some of the best acting I've seen in the MCU because it really felt like a thing that needed to be expressed. It, it is the ugly side of grief. Grief is not all about making beautiful monuments to people. It yeah. is about sometimes getting angry because you feel yeah. like the world has treated you poorly. For sure. Yes. Sometimes it hardens you like we saw with her, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But go ahead, Bethany. Let, let, let us know what you what you thought of uh, Miss Bassett's performance. Oh, my gosh. She was powerful. I really enjoyed her. I She was my favorite part of the film. She was it for me. She kept me tuned in every time her face was on the screen. Every time I could hear her voice, it made me sit up a little bit taller. She commanded so much respect. But I, I get like what you were saying, Jake, about, you know, it's always like a woman's responsibility to be graceful. And even when she's going through so much, I get that. Like, I'm a single mom. I'm raising a son. And every day is so many things thrown at me, but I just have to keep myself poised and always hold my head high and be the strong black woman and all these things. But you're, you're always going to reach a breaking point when you're just so incredibly frustrated, you're grieving, you're, you're not understanding what's happening. Even when someone is like begging and trying to explain with Okoye, she's trying to say like, I did my best. You don't understand what I was up against, but it's like at the, at the same day, at the, at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. I am the queen and now shit is falling apart. Like, and you have to answer for that. Sorry, I have to strip you of your title and your, 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 um, you know, your responsibilities. That's just what I have to do as the queen of Wakanda. Yeah. So I I think she did a fantastic job of showing that emotion. Like, yeah, you know, the Oscar talks, of course. But like you said, it really felt like a genuine moment. And I will say quickly, I do because I care about the Oscars a lot. This is I actually think she has a chance, which is a thing you can't say about most MCU projects. I think that I would actually bet money that she's going to get at least a nomination. But that's just a quick aside. (laughs) and i would even say even not just the angry moments but i would even say the motherly moments when she's talking to shuri and trying to convince her that you have to you have to find a way to not necessarily move past it but you have to push yourself forward and shuri ignoring that kind of throughout the film was very interesting because that's another way that grief is dealt with sometimes you want to ignore it sometimes you don't want to face it yeah. And I thought that in those talks, in those conversations that that Ramonda had with her, you felt her just an, uh, an unwavering strength in trying to continue to help her daughter through this, even though she may have not gotten the message immediately. At, at a certain point, as we get towards the end, we kind of see that message hit home and and a lot of times with our parents, that seems to be what the, the case is always like. Mm-hmm. Parents will always tell us things and, well, man, this ain't never going to happen. And then you look up as an adult, oh, all that shit happened. <laughs> and then you kind of deal with the, the after effects of it. I have a question for you guys. So when, yeah. when they were sitting by the fire and they were having the moment where they were burning their clothes, when Ramonda said, there's something that I need to tell you about your brother. Where did mm-hmm. your mind go when she began that? It didn't go where the movie ended up going, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> my 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 thought, it, it obviously I quickly moved on because something was happening, but my thought was like, was there going to be something where he had always known that he had a disease or something like that? There was like some like backstory to it. I, I don't I 
I, I didn't really think it like I, said, I didn't think about it that much, but I thought it was something related to his death of why she was able to, you know, adjust to it. Obviously, I was proven wrong on two different accounts, given that it was about <laughs> the son and also that, like, it wasn't about grief. But I it, it, I assumed it was a secret like that. And, yeah, and how, yeah. how about you, Tyler? You say you thought the yeah, same, right? Yeah, I, I thought the same. I thought it was going to be something like that or, or maybe something on the lines of um, he wanted, you know, Shuri to be the next, you know, Black Panther, perhaps. But I did not expect the the you know the reason why we thought that you, the reason we found out later in the post credit scenes you know before N- namor showed up you know basically tell everybody you know it's time to either get down or lay down you know that motherfucker <laughs> popped up and dropped his nuts he was like hey, hey. you know what I'm saying namor ain't coming to fuck around man but yeah I, I did not see the i did not see where it went at the post credit scene right and, and bethany how about you at the time did you did your mind jump to that so i've been thinking about this for a while because I had read years ago that that is not, she is not T'Challa's birth mother. And I didn't know Mm. at what point was this ever going to be addressed in the MCU that she did not birth T'Challa, that he lost his mother shortly after he was born. So I was just wondering, maybe it would go there or, you know, Mm. how is she handling the grief of her stepson? So, yeah. That's (laughs) interesting. That that I think would have been honestly an equally interesting way to go depending on how that would affect things right. but um your, your guess was definitely closest given that it starts with parentage <laughs> <laughs> no I, no absolutely absolutely um i do have to say so tyler brought up uh mr namor and and his big nuts sorry and, yes <laughs> and, and and them cojones too uh tenas huerta i I was amazed. I was impressed. Mm-hmm. I was captivated yes. by this performance. This gentleman came in and when we talk about one of the most important Marvel characters, one of the earliest Marvel characters, what an incredible introduction. Mm-hmm. I cannot say enough how in a lot of ways, there were times in this movie where I thought, like, hey, I would love to just sit and listen to him and Talakan talk with Shuri about his people, about mm-hmm. what they mean to him, and why he feels like he, why Riri needed to die. Because the way that he was unwavering about that, and the way that he got that message across, not only to Shuri, not only to the Wakandans, but to us, the audience, was mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Uh, what what a performance by him. I feel like in a lot of ways that the baton was passed in this film. Ramonda took act one. Namor took that took act two. And then it went to Shuri for act three. So, Tyler, you, you talked about the nuts dropping. <laughs> the nuts talk, a dropping. Little bit about, talk a little bit about Namor and what you thought of his <laughs> uh, thought of him overall. I thought it was... Uh... I mean, I'm, I'm all on board with everything you said. I think it was an all-time MCU debut. Um, you know, and I think it's it's the MCU doing again with taking, like, a C-lister and making him a superstar because, like, as a kid who was in the comics, you know, Namor was, you know, he was he was just an ancillary character, right? Like, I didn't really know much about Namor except he got into it with the Avengers sometimes and he was always trying to bone Sue Storm. Like, that was the extent <laughs> of, of, like, of, of, like, my Namor knowledge, right? I, I was not a Namor diehard, but he stole the show in this movie for me. 
that that young man is a star. I want all the name or I want a movie. I want a you know like a whole franchise, a trilogy. I want a Disney Plus series. Like he was just phenomenal in this role. He was a phenomenal character. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Bethany, how about you? What did you think of of Namor's uh, intro? I loved it, and you know, with not with us not having Chadwick in this film, the thing that I liked about Chadwick as T'Challa was that his voice is very melodic. It was soft but very stern and masculine, and I felt the same way about Namor. Like he just had a very beautiful way of speaking, but was very matter of fact. And it's like, he could mm-hmm. talk you into anything or mm-hmm. probably talk you out of some things too. Like it was a really, <laughs> a really dope introduction. And to, you know, how he explained, like, just matter of fact, like, yeah, this is who I am and this is where I came from. And this is how I became who I am. He mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't seem like he had any sadness behind his story. He's like, I know who I am and this is what I need. And this is how you're going to help me get it. Oh man, it, it just perfect stuff. How about you, Jake? I know you love the performance. Yeah. Get into it. I, if you saw this movie and someone asked you which one of these main actors was never really a movie star in any movie before in English language, <laughs> no one in the millionaires would ever pick Tena Cuerta because I'm obsessed with actors and movie stars, and there are a lot of great actors who are not good movie stars. It is very hard for someone to make it to being 41 years old as Tena Cuerta is before Hollywood realizes they're a movie star. Obviously, it's because he is not white, but still, it is crazy that he has not been headlining movies for the past decade and a half because he just has a presence where you are like because i I think so much with these movies the actor is as important as any of the writing because the you just either believe that someone is like a super powerful person or you don't and you believe that he is the god leader of his people and i really like the thing too i liked about it is that there's some you know, consternation about how Namor in the comics is portrayed as, you know, vaguely East Asian generally. And I liked how rather than try to retrofit what was obviously a racist thing back in the day and try to like make it modernize it. They're like, okay, let's actually just find a talented actor from a underrepresented ethnic group because, you know, being Native American, sorry, Native American in Mexico, Native Mexican, um, I believe he's of Mayan descent, to find a really talented actor, and then build the culture around that. In the same way that with Wakanda, so much of Wakanda is built about around John Connie, who speaks Kosa. You know, he was the original, you know, he played T'Chaka. And so they did that similarly where they're like, okay, rather than try to make Namor's culture from the comics, screw that, that's retrograde, it's based on old stereotypes. Let's build it from the ground up and base it on a real backstory that it actually makes sense. Like, okay, these are mine people that, you know... and. All those specific details in the same way that Black Panther felt so interesting and rich because they pulled so many details from real culture. Like, I think that just, I just find that movies are so much more interesting when you see things that are not normally on screen. And yeah, you might see like Mayans occasionally in like flashback scenes of movies, but like, we don't see what the live reality of those cultures are. We don't see them as protagonists. We don't see them. And so just by putting that culture in a big movie and actually being true to it, as far as I can tell, obviously, if if it if people have issues with it, I don't know. But I, from what I've seen, people seem to really like it. It just adds so much more texture to the movie. And mm-hmm. I think that I really hope that big studio movies use this going forward to be like, hey, your movie will be 20% more interesting if you really are culturally authentic to the characters you put in it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. What, yeah, yeah, going off what you said, Jake, about how they, you know, kind of repurposed him to be of Mayan descent in the movie. Um, we all know in the comics he was he was of, of Atlantis descent, right? Yeah. A fantasy land, you know, none of us know. You can make Atlantis be whatever you want to be, but I think yeah. that it was a good plot device here because I think that a, a you know, foundational element of the Black Panther storyline is the ills of white colonization. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and, you know, Wakanda is a nation that shielded themselves from that, you know, undercover, you know, and we know the history of the Mayans. We know that they were subjected to it, that they fell victim to it. They were eradicated by it. So I think that that they um, I think it was a good move plot wise, because then you had you had, you know, Namor, who was who was um, on the side of, you know, I have been the victim of imperialism. You know, imperialism is coming for you now, Wakanda, now that, you know, the world is aware of you. He's like, and, and you know, they flash back to when he killed, you know, the, the, the conquistadors and set that whole plantation free. So Namor is someone who believes in proactively acting with violence to get rid of imperialism, <laughs> mm-hmm. while Wakanda is a nation that believes in being on the defense, right? So so that's where the heads were butting there. So I thought that, that you know, um, I think it was it was good to kind of, you know, even though it's a, of course it's a comic movie, he's a six hundred year old god now. But mm-hmm. I think it was good to root it in reality of you know the the the, the way that you know Mayans and, and indigenous you know Central and, and South American people were kind of eradicated by colonization here. Namor was like, "Fuck around and find out." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine seeing a kid yeah. flying, and you're like, "This," like you see a kid come out of the water. He's with blue people, and then he starts flying, and you're like, "This surely isn't going to end with me dying, bleeding on the floor." And it's like, "Well, you fucked around. You found out." <laughs> he, and that's the thing. Like he warned, he warned them, "Hey, this is what it's going to be if you mess with us." And he, he damn sure came back and and acted on those words and. I think there's nothing more powerful than somebody who follows through on their threats. Because it just remi- I just think of I just think of uh, what is it? Uh, Mission Impossible Three and and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Can I do it? The- yeah, I do it? go ahead. Do you have a wife? I'm, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Love yeah, but yeah, it's just it's, it was just in, it was just incredible to see that, and I think the them adapting the wakandan and atlantis in this case uh talican conflict was really really interesting and as tyler alluded to seeing those differences between the two the two nations and what that could potentially be in the future not only with this movie was just really interesting stuff and i also say this selfishly i say man when Ryan Kuglu originally wrote the sequel, he was gonna pit T'Challa and this dude against each other, and that would have been something incredibly special. Yeah. So I understand. I, I I understand. Like he thought that he had the perfect thing. So man, it's like when you think about when you get somebody and you know that you have a star, and he comes through and just absolutely just knocks it out the park like he does here. And including that you have this heartbreaking scene where Ramonda dies in uh, towards the end of the second act. And Namor just shows up and he says, mourn your dead. Take a week. We're going to do this again. It's just like, oh, wow, this dude is this dude means business in a way that I can't wait to see what they have in store for him. And also shout out to him for knowing how to take an L. Because sometimes you, and I always say this in life, sometimes you just have to take the L. And mm. even he knew, 
he he yielded at the end and this is what i talk about the parallels because kugler not only the parallels between characters and their human counterparts but also the parallels of shuri and t'challa throughout the films uh t'challa dealing with vengeance and civil war wanting to go after bucky and finding out that it was zemo and then deciding not to kill him and shuri dealing with the same thing as well uh with namor and and namor yielding like mbaku yielded in the original black Mm -hmm. panther when t'challa fought him for the throne so it's just it's little stuff like that that i appreciate when it comes to the writing just little notes like that but um but namor was a was an incredibly awesome character so let's get to let's get to shuri here because i feel like for leticia wright there's been a lot of stuff just generally on the internet about her while this movie was filming about the anti-vax stuff it was a lot of different conversations about her generally that people was like, she can't be the Black Panther. She can't be the Black Panther at all. Now, obviously in the books, Shuri does become the Black Panther for a time. So this kind of fits through there. But as we we talked about earlier, Letitia Wright's performance in this was incredibly strong. I thought, so just a simple note, and then I'll get to you guys. When she meets with Killmonger in the ancestral plane, they have that conversation and they go back and forth and she's, she doesn't want to admit that she wanted him there because she wanted that vengeance. But she was also hurt by the fact that she did not see her family in any instance there as she was looking for her brother, looking for her mother, looking for her father, did not see any of them. So she comes out of the ancestral plane. The way that she delivers that frustration... What, I thought that was just an incredible bit of acting, and I can, and I can only imagine what that frustration was like, where you don't realize that somebody in your life that you really care about and was really important to you is all of a sudden gone out of nowhere. You you don't even get to say goodbye and anything like that. This cast and her in this instance, what she was able to do with that and carrying that over and walking that line of vengeance was truly, truly extraordinary stuff, I thought. And uh, Bethany, I'll start with you. What did you think of Letitia Wright? Some of the some of the some of the things that she was able to accomplish in this movie from a performance standpoint. You know, we were introduced to Shuri as like the comedic relief. She was funny. She was smart. She could do anything. You know what I mean? And to see her seemingly powerless uh, for the majority of the movie was really different for me. And I think that's probably part of the reason why I didn't enjoy the movie as much as I thought that I would. Because, you know, she was always, she had something really witty to say. And I felt like the jokes really weren't landing when her and Okoye were going back and forth. I was just kind of like, ah, something's different about this. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I'm like, she's just grieving. But Letitia did an incredible job showing that emotion and the frustration and the different stages of grief that you go through, um, especially where she was just trying to pretend like it didn't even happen. Mm -hmm. But her showing that frustration after taking the heart-shaped herb and coming back from having this conversation with Killmonger, I was like, okay, now it's showtime. Like, I know she's about to go out here and kick ass, but at the same time, she's she still has that, that thing that T'Challa has where it's like, 
I don't want to kill anyone unless I yeah. absolutely have to. It's mm. like the last resort. So seeing her and Namor go, you know, up against each other like that, I was like, man, I know she can't, she can't kill this man. We can't, we can't have the movie in like this. And I think that she did a fantastic job, but you know, even with everything that was going on, you know, behind the scenes and the whole anti-vax stuff, <laughs> I know that it affects people's view on her and I'm gonna be real. It kind of made me feel some kind of way as I'm watching, like, <sighs> like she's really about to be Black Panther shit. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't the only one. She, a lot she of had people to, were like She this. had yeah. to bring it. She had to bring it yeah. to convince people like, okay, okay, mm-hmm. I see why, you know, she was cast as this. And she yeah. she had to deliver. Yes, yes. And Jake, how about you? I, I She really impressed me because I, I mean, she ha- just frankly hasn't done a ton of work generally just acting. I mean, she obviously was in Black Panther, but she was mostly doing comic release stuff. I really haven't seen her show this range before, and she really did get bringing in spades. The thing that I really appreciated about the scene we were talking about with after she goes on the ancestral plane is that it's not just that she is upset that she didn't see her family. It, It feels almost that she confirmed a realization that she didn't want to have, that maybe she's just broken she's not like the rest of her family maybe she maybe the re- the fact that she didn't want to grieve t'challa is because she is a bad person you know i think that that's a thing that a lot of especially because the way that she ended things with ramona that it was unresolved that she never really got to close the book on the way that she was grieving t'challa and so like her stealing killmonger it wasn't just like oh i can't believe i didn't see my family it's like well I guess I have to get vengeance because much like my uncle, sorry, much like my uh, cousin, I'm broken. Like, and she was mad about that. And of course, that's what made her not kill anymore. Because the difference between Killmonger and Shuri is that Shuri does feel bad and frustrated at the notion that she is, she can't be like her family. But I, I felt like it really was like, it, it felt very true to the way that people can sometimes start to believe the worst things that they think about themselves and that it was it that her wanting to get vengeance on Namor obviously was about what Namor did but it's also I think in a lot of ways about the way that she hates herself for the ways that she has feels like she's failed at at protecting people or at grieving properly like that the self-doubt can cause you to start to act in ways that you don't want to and I, I felt like there was very nuanced and layered and i think that you're right that it took until that for really for her performance to kick into high gear um but yeah i'm i'm much more excited about her being black panther than i was when i stepped in because while i well i knew that story-wise that was the right thing to do i never was really against her becoming black panther because it just makes sense that shuri would be but now i'm like i'm excited to see what Letitia wright does as black panther going forward Yes, yes. And and Tyler, how about you? Um, well, you know, this is a movie that's about, you know, grief and loss. And it feels like, you know, for ninety five percent of the movie, Shuri was stuck in the anger stage of grief. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like, you know, it, it kinda opened up with her in, at the stage where she wasn't accepting it when she was trying to, you know, you know, put the, the, the helix together to make the the, the heart shaped herb to try to save um T'Challa, you know, even trying to, you know, pushed through her mom when her mom told her that that you know he was gone to, to try to see what she can do and you know the the, the scene that, um in the astral plane when she saw killmonger 
that was like the biggest shock of the movie for me. I did not expect that. I, I, and and it's amazing that they kept it under wraps that Michael B. Jordan was actually in the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that, you, you know, going off what Jake said, I think that that was a moment where she probably felt inadequate. You know, she probably felt that she wasn't, you know, as forgiving as, as her mother and as her brother would have been. And she probably felt that, you know, she, she probably didn't have the emotional depth to kind of carry on the family's legacy there and that frustrated her because you know Killmonger told her you know we're just alike and she was like no we're nothing alike and you know I think she was trying to convince herself saying that because you know that's who you saw in the Astro Plane that's who you know your spirit summoned there because that's where your spirit was your spirit was in the same place with Killmonger you know who was just hell-bent on revenge and vengeance and and that's where she was at that moment too um but you know it's it and and another scene was when you know when she went and met with uh you know Queen Ramona and you know, she asked her to burn the funeral garments and, you know, to start the, the process of moving past her brother's death. And she was like, this isn't what I want to see burn. I want to see the world burn, you know? Mm-hmm. So she was someone who was firmly entrenched in that anger stage of grief throughout the movie. And which, which kind of led us to, you know, I was halfway thinking she might've, you know, killed Namor at, at that part, but you know, her just, you know, saving him, showing grace that shows that she is ready to, you know, continue the whole process of actually healing from T'Challa's death. Yeah, I think the I think the interesting thing about everything that everybody said here, and then we talk about broken people. That line that Namor delivers, uh, "Only broken people can can rule." Uh, that was that was a fascinating one as we go back and forth uh, throughout the movie. As Shuri is dealing with these emotions and and all of these things, so it's if if you think about what this movie was and those three performances that that we've talked about here were just so central and so. So uh, amazing in certain ways. The backbone of the movie is what I would call it. But there were there were a lot of other characters in this movie. So let's run through some of let's run through some of them quick. Um, well, not too quick. But Riri Williams is is an introduction that we got. One of the newer characters in Marvel. She's having her own show, Ironheart, that'll debut next year. And this was a a very interesting in a lot of ways uh, appropriate place to to place her intro in as as we saw her um J- jake i'll start with you on this one what did you think of a riri's per not only riri's character but like where does she where does she fit in here because i will say myself there were times where it just felt like, wow, this is a lot going on yeah. in yes. terms of adding this character to the mix. Yeah, she didn't need to be in the movie, obviously, but also at the same time, I always grant that like these are not regular movies, so there are always going to be things that don't need to be in the movie. Um, I thought that she... The thing I was most looking to see was, is this performance going to be something I will want to see a whole show of, you know what I mean? Like is, is this character someone that can carry a show? And I think that she absolutely can. I was actually really impressed by her. Um, But yeah, I thought that it was like a convenient way to get it in, but I also felt like they kind of, I I felt like they should have kind of followed through more with it in that. Like they, they explained why they needed to get her, which I was willing to accept. Like, that's a fine plot point. Like, let's kill the person who is able to find um, Vibranium. But when they eventually just dropped it, when she stopped mattering in Namor's plan, I felt like it was kind of like, okay, I'm happy she's here because she's a fun character, but she kind of lost any of her narrative propulsion, you know, about 30 minutes into her being a character. And I wish that she still had more to do. But 
it, all in all, it didn't really bother me that much because she because she was just charming. And I think that that's the thing always is like if a character is going to be interesting to watch, then I'm willing to forgive them not having the most narrative weight. Yes, yeah. And Tyler, how about you? What do you think of Riri? Um, I'm just curious, and maybe y'all can fill me in if y'all know the details. But like, you know, she's going to be Ironheart. She's going to have her own Disney Plus series. Are they going to do flashbacks to her being like Tony Stark's, you know, mentee or? See, I don't repurposing her origin. Or? It seems like they're repurposing that because I know there's a lot of in the books, just like Tony Stark was her actual AI. Um, once he, once I think, it, I think it was in Civil War Two that 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 Tony Stark actually was. I think he was uh, in a coma. Like Captain Marvel put him in a coma, and mm-hmm. and uh, Riri took him took his like his essence as as an AI of hers. I don't know if they're going to do that here. It feels like based off of what I've heard about Ironheart is they're doing a lot of tech versus um, supernatural stuff, which is very like just a very, very odd thing. But also like when you talk about what black Panther is in the ancestral plane, there is a little bit of that too. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I feel like with every MCU thing, they try and, do their own like little spin on it i feel like she will they will at least at the outset make her her own person and it seems like her and shuri kind of have their own technological kinship thing going on so we'll see if maybe shuri might show up in that or something like that 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 could be something that uh, is visited there yeah. And, you know, I think that them announcing that, that the Ironheart series was coming kind of took all of the suspense out of her character. We knew that she wasn't going to be given over to Namor to be murdered. We knew right. that she wasn't going to die in any of the yeah. battle scenes. We knew she wasn't going to drown when, you know, Queen Ramona saved her. So, yeah, I think that the timing of that probably kind of, yeah. you know, shot them in the foot a little. Unfortunately, the thing is, because I completely I'm very sympathetic to that. I think the reality is sometimes they can hide stuff like that. But Ironheart is literally in production at the moment. Like, so it's a certain, at a certain point they couldn't. I mean, maybe I suppose they could hide an entire massive television operation happening in Atlanta, but I don't think that they could. Um, so, like, I think if the show is happening like six months later, they'd be able to hide it. But like, people have yeah. been cast, people are on set, so it's kind of hard to yeah, act yeah. like the show is not happening. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Bethany, how about you? I, I feel like you you kind of uh, were on the same line of line with us as far as Riri goes. Yeah. Um, you know, I enjoyed the fact that her and Shuri had so much in common. They could see one another and each other. And that was cool. But I was just like, okay, this is a really long movie. Some of this can kind of be cut out. We can mm-hmm. do without some of this. Yeah. Speaking of things that you can cut out, I will have to say one of the things that I was most interested in from a storyline perspective, um, in MCU wise, not just this movie was I kind of knew that Val was going to be in this. So to see what what her story is and how it progresses in from a government standpoint the stuff with Ross uh was a was an interesting tidbit that they were they were ex-lovers or whatever. In this movie I will have to say that I did not need to see Val in this. I think that this was shoehorned. That's like the one thing that I feel pretty confident in saying. And I don't think it's a really hot take. I think we did not need to see that. And in a lot of ways, like, I think just to keep that that uh, connective tissue, that's kind of why Ross was in there, just using him as the liaison and stuff like that. Because in a lot of ways, when you go into their scenes, it just feels like you're taken out of this really intense emotional movie and kind of put into this MCUification 
portion of it, which I will have to say I don't think that we needed here. Jake, tell me if I'm wrong about this or not. Well, one, you don't consider the fact that I need representation. No, I'm kidding. That's a bad joke. It's a mixed company. It's we're in mixed company. I can't. If, if it was just you and I, anyway. No. That, um, now that, I think that, that was for sure. I think that was for sure or not, y'all. They just dropped Elaine from Seinfeld in the middle. Of Black you understand? Know you know what I'm saying? Like, goddamn, what the fuck? As a as a white guy who grew up in the 2000s, when they randomly cut to a Red Hot Chili Peppers needle drop, I'm like, am I watching the same movie? Are you? What is this? <laughs> Thank, thank you, Ryan Coogler. I feel seen, but no, I think that I think that I think that they there was one or two too many scenes with her. I think the scene that I actually think they didn't need to have her, but I think the scene that she is in that was most necessary is the one where it's Ross, uh, Val, and the Secretary of State played by mm-hmm. the great Richard Schiff, and by the great I mean just for people like me. Uh, when they're talking, basically, they're kind of dancing around the idea of, like, do we invade Wakanda? Do we, you know, have regime change? I mean, Tyler, I saw you were talking on Twitter today where you retweeted the person who was, like, who was oh, complaining that Wakanda Forever does has uh, Wakanda fighting a Native American guy as opposed to the U.S. government <laughs> sanctioning them. He, he, he admitted in later in the thread, like, six tweets in, I haven't seen the movie. I only saw trailers. And I'm like... This yeah, because yeah, the most Twitter ass thing to ever happen on Twitter. <laughs> because so while it's criticize some shit he didn't even see, man. It's not the main plot of the movie, but the movie does absolutely yes. have the United States. In the first States ten minutes, it has that. Yeah, <laughs> and so I think that while Val herself didn't need to be in it, I I, I thought that that was a, a thing that I liked that they had, even though it wasn't relevant for this movie. I do think that that is clearly what they're trying to set up eventually, um, yeah. and so. I like that, but I I thought all of it really could have been accomplished just with uh, Everett Ross and the Secretary of State. Now, I love the idea of Ross and Val having been married. It's very funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm not, f- for no other reason, like, overall, I'm not that mad that she has all the scenes that she does. But yeah, it just felt completely tonally out of it. And I think it is the problem of just... When you're cutting between these beautiful underwater cities or these beautiful Wakandan cities... You, it's just really hard to cut to Arlington, Virginia. No offense to your great state, Tyler. I'm hey, so, but not, I, I don't fuck with Arlington either. But yeah. it's just, it's just, I completely uh, understand. Those are totally, totally, it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that was the one thing that really took me out of it. Um, Tyler, how about you? Like with with Val and and just kind of dropping her in there. Even though I will say. I feel like that story is definitely going to follow through and be something really interesting going forward. Just eh, here. Eh. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like what you said earlier, Anthony, about how, you know, kind of the appeal of the first black Panther movie was that, you know, it felt like it could have been a standalone movie. It didn't feel like you needed to see all, you know, 22 Marvel movies before to see where everything was. And I'm sure that was by design with Ryan Coogler. He knew that he was going to get, you know, people who weren't even comic book fans coming out there to see, you know, black representation. Um, so yeah, it, 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 you know, Val's character for sure felt like, you know, the, the, the yellow tape had to tie in things to, you know, phase five, you know, to the thunderbolts, what have you, whatever, you know, it's time to bring in, you know, covert bureaucracy, government operations. It just felt very boring (laughs) and dull. And I was like, bro, can we please get back to the secret African civilization fighting the 600 year old Mayan King? (laughs) 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 No, absolutely. And Bethany, how about you? Do, Do you, do you feel like you're on board with us on this? 
Yeah. So that's why I was just so frustrated watching this film where I was just like, come on, like, why do we need this right now? Like, you know, of course we start the film, we're grieving and they're trying to add little <laughs> elements in to, you know, kind of make us forget, you know, that we're like sad and we're mourning Chadwick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was unnecessary. Yeah. It was one of those things that it definitely felt like notes from the studio. Like, Hey, can you just add this here? And can you just add this here? I like, I know you're trying to do this thing and, and it's already, I mean, listen, two hours and 41 minutes. Oh boy. That, that's, that's pretty long enough um, uh, uh, on it on itself. Um, fortunately, like, I think like overall what they were able to accomplish here was pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's one of the few things that like, I just felt like was definitely out of place, but there, you know, there's still more, I want to do some quick hitters on kind of like, uh, Okoye, the Dora Milaje, some of the stuff that we saw from them. Okoye gets a new suit. Uh, that, that was interesting. It seems like they're setting up, uh, well, at least uh, I know, and, uh, that's been kind of publicized is that Ryan Coogler is going to be working on some Wakandan series, um, or special presentations on Disney plus that will get into more of the world of Wakanda. And I'm going to guess we're going to see Okoye considering that she got uh, a new suit. We might get something, uh, similarly, similarly akin to the midnight angels, I mean so, that's what they call it in the movie, so I'm assuming right. I assume so like I'm assuming that that's what reason. they'll probably yeah I'm assuming that's what they'll call it, and then you know storyline wise where you tie in Val and the government and and these other nations going after vibranium and stuff like that seems like a kind of like an easy road to follow as they kind of set mm-hmm. that up, but just some of the other characters here, um, I think a very underrated. Uh, comedic relief Winston Dukes uh, mm-hmm. and Baku and kind of played the the older bro- brother to Shuri in this movie and I thought he did a I thought he did a really good job um you can name any character like out of these these people that we didn't get to see do as much um from the first film um Bethany I'll start with you was there a supporting character that you that you, whose arc who was a little bit smaller that you enjoyed here well, I'm going to say the opposite. I did not enjoy M'Baku. Um, oh, <laughs> I was, okay. Like, I really wish that we had, like, a Black man in this in this film that was just, like, that guy. Like, mm-hmm. T'Challa's presence was, like, it was missing. Ter- he, we were missing him terribly. Yeah. So maybe we could have had M'Baku really, like, step into his, you know, into his shit and really be that guy instead of being the comedic relief and getting his ass hand it to him which well, he i made get, a business you know, decision bethany he made a business decision once she he once he took that punch she was just like oh nope he was i'm like, not oh, doing okay. that you know what <laughs> and i get it but i just really wish that we had a man come in other than killmonger to be like hey this is what this is what we need to do instead of kind of like yielding in a way I, th- I think that was um you know the scene when 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 shuri came down in a black panther suit and, and baku you know challenge her to see if she really had the power of the panther right like i thought that was a scene that showed kind of the evolution of mbaka where you know he he saw that she was legit she was the new black panther and he just you know yielded to her celebrated her and was like this is our new leader now like mbaka and, and black panther the first one would have wanted to fight her you know on the waterfall for that title you know what i mean yeah. so i feel i feel like we saw a, a bit of evolution with mbaka um I, I thought he was entertaining i can understand you saying that you know we didn't have the the the, the, the regal presence of of Chadwick that was missing in this, I completely understand that. But I, but I definitely enjoyed Mbaku for sure. The the thing I observed about Winston Duke watching it is that no matter what someone thinks about his performance, he is one of the best actors in Hollywood right now about of doing this sound. Mm-hmm. 
Like if there's, mm, he's a great mm, actor. He's just incredible at it. And I think that I I think you're right, generally, Bethany, about that presence being lack. But I think I actually think that it that is not Mbaku as a character. Like I actually don't think he has that in him. And I, while I could have seen him be a little more serious, I actually don't think. And I and I think the thing that the scene Tyler's talking about, I think the thing that real reveals is, I think he knows it. I think he knows that he is not really. He's not that guy. Um, but yeah, I he was fun. Re- I mean, he looked great, really making the salt and pepper and the beard work really well. AC, I know you felt seen. Um, <laughs> Yo, shout yeah, yes, yeah. Shout out to Winston Duke, man. That was a that was a pretty good performance, man. Um Yeah, I think Jake, you you make a good point there because I think it's one of those things where he is a secondary character, so you're not gonna necessarily see him jump out there. Especially, we've see, already seen him uh, take an ass whooping from T'Challa before, prior, and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, when you talk about Namor, when they talk about he is strong as the Hulk, I was just like, oh, oh, oh boy, you ain't, you ain't, ain't no way you touching that dude. <laughs> got, I mean, he's, it's a magical, it's like a club with vibranium, but he's still just got a club. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> oh, man. But, but yeah, so, yeah, that was, that was fun. Um... I actually thought that Michaela Coel was going to do a little bit more as Anika. It seems like they just wanted to bring her in here so then we can have her do more later, which often happens in these films. We just want to intro and stuff like that. That was so I feel like that was something else that that we didn't get a lot of. Um I think we got us uh, uh, I think Okoye, I will say this about uh, Okoye. That's that uh scene, the fight scene that she has with the Tuma on the bridge was that was pretty damn tough. That was fun. That was a good ass fight scene. Let me tell you, because you felt when she got hit and she and she hit the floor. I was like, whoo boy. Bro, oh boy. The, the, the part where he uh, stuck the, the spear in the concrete, then pulled her into it, the whole fucking theater was <laughs> oh, crazy, though. Oh, man. I was, that like, was like, God damn. And, and I think that that stuck out because I will say, my if I had criticisms of this movie, then number one is I think that the action is especially the last fight is kind of lacking. Not the last fight between Namor and Shuri, but I think the big action scenes are a little muddy in a way that yeah. the original Black Panther wasn't. And I thought that that scene in particular with Okoye was really visceral and I really enjoyed it. Like in, in contrast to the final scene on the boat, which kind of just felt like it felt like pretty generic MCU in a way I was a little bit disappointed with. But I like when they had the one on one scenes, it still felt especially because I think. The weapons they use, like the spear is actually just like a perfect weapon cinematically because it just there's so many different uses and it's big, it's impactful, et cetera, et cetera. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I think from a, from an action standpoint, um, the I can see why Letitia Wright got badly injured when she was filming this because that car accident let me tell you, boy, that 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 looked like it was rough. So I, I I had heard that she, you know, she needed to take a couple of months before being able to come back and shoot. I mean, damn, they got a stunt double for that. I mean, yo, that shit was crazy. That shit was crazy, and the fact that she was uh, she Andrew. apparently got burned a little bit from mm. uh, from the car explosion was uh was kind of wild so but yeah that that scene itself when they get into that scene and then they get into the to the uh, atuma okoye fight that was that was probably like in terms of just like pure action that was my favorite uh action scene of the film so 
yeah, this, man. It's just Can't so- wait. We got. We've gone too long. We gotta talk about Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia. I mean, listen, her fine ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah you, so you said it. it. Yeah. You said it. Uh, yes. <laughs> you said it. Um, My goodness gracious. Beyond, beyond that, because she is a great actress with an Oscar who is very talented, I thought that she. <laughs> I, I was really curious to see what she was going to do in this movie because. One of my criticisms of the original Black Panther is how it, how unclear the relationship between T'Challa and Nakia is. Like, it, they don't really have a lot of intimacy in a way, and it's kind of you don't you you understand that there's a history, but I would have liked to see more of it. And because we don't end up getting to see that because of Chadwick's passing, I was curious how they're going to play it. Like, how much was she going to be grieving? How much? How much was that? Because we really don't know from her end, like how central was her relationship to T'Challa in her life? Because we don't see her just living her life outside of the context of him. And I thought that I like that she kind of played it until the end. We really don't know where she stands still. Like, it's like was she being rude? Was what was the whole thing? Um, Because she she doesn't she doesn't particularly fit in with the Wakandan world in that she has this, her spirit is kind of independent and whatnot. Um, But like it also, she still clearly is racked with the grief. And once again, we understand why after the post credit scene, but I also think that she just is like a, she's just like such a steady hand. Like Lupita, someone used call in. It's like, do you need this scene to have gravitas? Uh, The check will be delivered to you. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and, and I, 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 I'm really glad that she's still in these and I hope that she kind of, you know, keeps, having a big role, especially as, you know, characters keep getting taken off the board that like, um, cause I, I think that I really like what she's doing. And now that we have this whole layer with, you know, Toussaint that she's feels even more integral to the movie. Yes. Yes. I would agree, couldn't agree with that part more. Um, do, do either of you guys, Tyler, Bethany, do you have any thoughts on Nakia um, besides uh, her looking amazing as, as per <laughs> usual? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you asked a few minutes ago, like a favorite, you know, background character that we had and you know Lapita's ass might have been <laughs> my favorite background character <laughs> oh my god like look Lupita always had a little bubble but she got the yams for real now like I was taken aback I was like this is a new development here but we'll <laughs> <laughs> take on a couple of the no because I've seen Lupita on, on IG a couple of times and then you got to do a double take it's like wait a minute what how did that yeah. thing get there what yeah. what so do you guys not do you guys not remember Lupita at the Met Gala long, long ago, she had on this beautiful green dress and you just see like three black actors, like male actors, they're just watching her from afar like, damn. Like, yes, she has been that girl all these years. But what I really- Hypnotizingly beautiful. What I really, yeah. What I really like though, is that Nakia is always just minding her business. She's always summoned. Everyone has mm-hmm. to come to her and say, hey, we need you. And she's just kind of like, well, shit, like I'm, I'm busy doing this. Like, is it necessary? Is it really necessary? But I like that about Nakia's character. It's like she's off doing what she's supposed to do, what she's what she's called to do. And everyone is kind of like, hey, we need you real quick. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Just um. When you think about what this cast uh, accomplished here, it's just it's just incredible to think about. It just I I can't imagine having to go through something like that and and be able to deliver some of the performances that we saw in this movie. Um, we cannot talk about this movie without talking about the end and 
the not only Shuri going to Haiti, seeing Nakia, and then that last scene uh, before the uh, Rihanna's song plays um, of her and them going through the memories of Chadwick and T'Challa, uh, that was a lot. It, it, it definitely was a lot. And that same silence that you heard at the beginning of the film bookended by this was truly emotional uh that was one that hit pretty hard and bethany i can imagine you seeing that seeing that that reel of chadwick from black the original black panther um i had to make you feel some type of way oh my gosh i was emotionally exhausted I just, I couldn't take any more. And I knew they were going to show some like B-roll, something. But yeah. just when it hit and I knew like the, the film is coming to an end, I was like, fuck, like this is, like everyone is sobbing. Everyone is crying. You just hear all the sniffles and people blowing their nose. Like it yeah. was just, it was a mess. And everyone in the theater just having this moment of just falling apart and it being okay. Like everyone understands, like everyone in this theater is grieving, whether you were a fan of Chadwick before Black Panther or whatever, everyone felt the weight of that moment and just seeing his pleasant face. Like he's just so regal and kind yeah. and, you know, it just kind of, it also validated Shuri. Like she made the right decision. She did what her brother would have done in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Tyler, you said it earlier when you mentioned that we lost a real hero. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's really the truth. Like, I think about the speech that Chadwick made um, a few years ago uh, at Howard, at Howard University. And um, I think about those words. Sometimes, like, I'll play it. I'll play the speech. And it's just this was a powerful individual just an immense presence and to see that like it it in a lot of ways it's it hurt it 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 hurt you felt that hurt all over again so i guess if you could take me through like what what your thoughts were during that final final scene yeah um you know it i i completely didn't expect it i think it blindsided everyone there and you know kind of i think it kind of encapsulated embodied how you know, it, it felt bigger than T'Challa. It felt like, you know, yeah. that's kind of an embodiment of the loved ones of the family of, you know, all the love that we still have for Chadwick and he's not here to have it. But, you know, we can kind of carry it on somehow, some way. You know, that that's kind of, you know, what I took from it. I also thought the kid looked like the I Love Corn kid who went viral. <laughs> yeah, but that, uh, <laughs> that's that's beside the point. But, <laughs> but yeah, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested on where they're going with this because in the comic books, you know, it's, um, to baby T'Challa grows up to be a young Avenger. He goes up to be another Black Panther. So, you know, we'll see what they do with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jake, let me get your thoughts yeah. on that, and then we'll actually talk I, about yeah. that scene. I, the thing about it is that there's a way that sometimes when an actor who's been in a big franchise passes away, there's a tendency, I think, for people like me in a bad way to kind of roll their eyes. When, like, if someone like Alan Rickman dies and people are like, oh, my God, we lost Snape. I'm like, he's done so much more. Don't just reduce him to that. <laughs> but the thing that Chadwick did is that during his life, I think he knew how important Black Panther was. Like, he wouldn't have poo-pooed that. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. I think so many actors of his talent will be like, this is what I do on this side. But, like, he's like, no, 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 no. These movies are seen by everyone. This is 
yes, I will play important figures from history, but this is as important to representing myself and what I, my culture and who I am as anything else. And so I thought that it was really appropriate. It didn't feel like they were making Chadwick's passing about T'Challa. It felt like that T'Challa was the essence of the greatness that was Chadwick. Mm-hmm. And that it allowed us to have another moment of of grief. Because obviously the beginning of the movie is kind of allowing us to relive the shock of his passing. But the end was kind of a celebration. And um, yeah, I wept like a baby, uh, as I want to do in situations like that. Uh, and yeah, I... I don't know. I just I and I just really love that they were able to do this because and and who made it? Um, because obviously, and this kind of goes without saying, if anyone other than Ryan Coogler made this, it would be feel completely you know I wouldn't trust yeah. any of it. But like they were just putting what they felt on the screen, and you know they felt that this was the best way to honor him, and I agree because they felt that way and they would know best. Um, and yeah. So yeah. there's something that I want to say. So. Sure. Back in November 2019, I had the pleasure to meet Chadwick. Hmm. Um, he was doing some press for uh, 21 Bridges. And as a writer and a, a aspiring director, I wanted to pick his brain on some things. There was a lot of Q&A things going on. But just seeing him in person, which a lot of people may not know this, but when he walks into a room, you can literally feel it. Like he really felt like T'Challa. In, in the flesh. He enters a room and everyone is affected. And so I remember, you know, he had done Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and a lot of uh, BTS photos had come about and he was very slim. So meeting him maybe two months after he wrapped that movie, seeing him in person, I was like, oh, looks like he's putting on like some weight. He's going to get back into Black Panther shape. And I was able to have a quick conversation with him. And the thing about what Chadwick brought to the character of T'Challa, he handled it with so much care. He was very intentional about what he wanted the audience to see and take from T'Challa. He made sure he had an African accent that he didn't have any other, you know, he, you know, Wakanda was Wakanda. It wasn't, you know, captured or, you know, rent or ruled by another country or nation. So he wanted to be as authentic as possible. And he really rode so hard to make sure that T'Challa was who he was. But in person, in real life, in waking life, in walking life, he that's exactly who he was as well. So it was like seeing Chadwick in that, in that scene, I just couldn't separate the two. It's like Chadwick mm-hmm. is T'Challa. And I had a yeah. friend who said um, he compared T'Challa and Chadwick as like Black Jesus. It was just a a really cool comparison there. Because, you know, that's why people are like, we can't, we don't want to recast him because this is him. This is all yeah. we know. We can't see anything else other than Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. No, I'm 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 glad you said that, that part of it. Because, I mean, I even think back to the Black Panther, the original one's press run. And some of the interviews that Chadwick did, uh, particularly the one that he did with Sway when he breaks down talking about, like, a, oh, a kid with can- yeah. a kid with cancer it's like he's just wants to make it to see that movie and then knowing in retrospect that Chadwick was sick and then Ryan Coogler talks about this in in the podcast that I mentioned earlier is that when I met him he was sick this man throughout this entire time had an illness 
And he was filming these movies doing incredible work, truly mm-hmm. great art. And he was giving it his all. And we never knew. We never knew. None of us ever knew. Nobody knew. He just, he had his circle. He kept it tight. And, and that was his choice. And, you know, and that was it. And, and I respect that. And uh, most of us do. And I think just from like an emotional standpoint, when you think about Chadwick Boseman and who he was, this was a, as good of a tribute as you can have to him. Um, and to see him that that final time in in that run of uh, Shuri's memories was um yeah it was very emotional it was very difficult but you know as the credits play and Rihanna's song it was it, it was interesting because I waited to listen to the soundtrack after I saw the movie and if you if you listen to the soundtrack you feel the movie more as you as you listen and go through some of the songs but yeah Rihanna's song plays it's like you you're you're sitting there thinking about what we just witnessed, and then you get the scene where we find out that T'Challa has a son. And my first thought, I'll throw it to everybody in a second. My first thought was when you see that, just a rush of emotion, a smile came to my face, and immediately everybody started clapping, which was a really cool moment. And when I saw that, it reminded me of this is why they chose not to recast. And this mm-hmm. is why Ryan Coogler yeah. always talked about that Chadwick talked about, hey, we're going to try and push this forward. What kind of way can we push this forward? And Ryan thought about it and said this was the way to do it. And honestly, it was the best way to do it. Yes. I could not care less about that recast T'Challa movie. It, it, I will say, like, I have kind of held that in for a little bit in just terms of seeing it because just of the, just the level of unbelievable pigheadedness from a lot of people about not recognizing what this person meant to not just us as fans, but to the people that he worked with and to the people that he was with in his life. And that's why they put that together. And it made that scene matter so much more than anything that I could have ever imagined. So uh, Bethany, I'll actually start with you on this one. So when you see this scene play out, uh, what comes to mind? What were your feelings on it? I fell apart. I melted. I just... He was so adorable, but I was like, okay, finally, now I see how we're going to continue to move on with the Black Panther franchise because here's this adorable little boy, Prince T'Challa, and sitting there with his, you know, his family and already starting to bond with his auntie. And like, it was just Mm -hmm. such a beautiful moment after sitting through the movie upset for two hours and <laughs> and 40 minutes, it finally made sense to me. But at the same time, I was still like, this was such an emotional ride, an emotional roller coaster. I don't know if I can watch this again. Like I want to take my son, but I think I'm going to delegate that to someone else to take my son to see this movie. Cause I'm still kind of processing, I'm grieving, but I, I need my son to see that end credit for sure. Because it was such a beautiful and touching moment that, Black Panther will continue through Prince T'Challa. Yes. 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 The symbolism of 
Mm-hmm. renewal and uh, honestly yeah. in a lot of ways that's what phase four of the mcu has been a lot of <laughs> renewal and moving forward from the characters that we knew before and what defined that era and can i ask you this... guys a question yeah sure by all means so he's six years old when we meet him mm-hmm. so is this taking into consideration the blip that happens great question i think that since obviously t'challa blips away Mm-hmm. If he was six, I think I, I think in order for it to work, I think Prince T'Challa would have had to have been bl- have to been blipped away. Um, I think that that's the only way the math would work, because mm-hmm. if he wasn't blipped away, then that means he would have had been to he would have had to have been conceived like very shortly before the events of Black Panther, the movie. And that doesn't like that is not supported by the movie. So right. I'm thinking that he, I think that T'Challa, Nakia, and Prince T'Challa all probably had to have been blipped away in order for the math to work. Mm. Mm. Yeah, inter- yeah, yeah. That, that that's interesting. And where does that where does that uh, leave us going forward? Is something that will be interesting. But uh, continue to get thoughts on it, Tyler. How about you? When you saw that scene, uh, what were your, what were your feelings on it? Um, you know, go, going back to what you said about the whole recast the Chala movement, I was never on board with that for a number of reasons. Um, for one, you know, Chadwick is just so singular. There was he's a one of one. Well, there was none before him. We'll never see another one after him. Like like we discussed, he was he was real life black film royalty to us. Um, I think that it would have been unfair to whoever you recast as T'Challa because I think Ooh. the whole time I would have been like, bro, you're not Chadwick. It's <laughs> not your fault. You know what I mean? It's Can't not your fault. More. You're not right. Chadwick, but you're not. You know, and another thing is that um, I don't want to say fortunately, but coincidentally, it just so happens that, you know, um, getting a new Black Panther is is something that that is canon. Right. But yeah. Black Panther isn't a single person. It's a distinction. You right. Know what I mean, and 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 they kept the canon. You know, the, the, they transferred the, the the distinction of Black Panther over to Shuri. So that worked there. But, um, you know, going back to what you said about the whole, you know, the, the B-roll at the end where, where they kind of, you know, paid homage to Chadwick again. That um, you know, kind of made me a bit emotional. Something I've always kind of, you know, taken comfort in when when I get a bit down about how Chadwick isn't here is that I feel like Chadwick was someone who we gave him his flowers while he was here. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I think I think Chadwick knew how much he meant to us. I think as he especially knew how much he meant to black youth, you know, mm-hmm. with, with with Black Panther with the representation. One of the the fondest memories that I lean on whenever I'm like feeling sad that Chadwick isn't here is is I remember All Star Weekend. Um, when, when Black Panther first dropped, and Chadwick was the biggest celebrity there. Yeah, the world's best basketball <laughs> players were fanning out. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Steph, Giannis, <laughs> Bron, they were all awestruck. You know, Victor Oladipo put on the Black Panther mask during the dunk contest, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's something that that I take com- comfort in is that I think Chadwick knew how much he was appreciated. I think Chadwick, you know, smelled the flowers that we gave him while he was here. So. I'm, I mean, and it's unfortunate he's here. I, I hate it. It, it, yeah. it tears me apart every time I think of it. But, you know, that's something I find comfort in. Yeah, wonderful stuff, man. Um, Jake, how about you? Uh, that, that final yeah. scene. I, I think that it is just the perfect representation of the fact that in the way the name T'Challa will live on, Chadwick yes. will live on, because these movies will live on. Like, that is the beautiful thing about art, if I can be super cheesy for a second, is that... <laughs> That's real. People who create art can live forever. Like that is the that is the beauty of it is that even if you know if they do more Black Panther movies, if the world of Wakanda lives on, 
the world of Wakanda will always include Chadwick Boseman. And so he will forever be there. And that is a beautiful thing. And, you know, the logistics of how the kid existed. And I'm always kind of dubious about like characters having secret kids because it's like you would have <laughs> acted a little different. I don't like if you go back and watch the scenes with Nakia and T'Challa and the first Black Panther, they're not really acting like they have a secret kid, but whatever, because it's it's not about that. It's about the what it means to have the name live on, to have the character live on. And so, yeah, I, I think that... um they just they, they did it with the most respect possible. The recast of Charlotte thing was always dumb, mostly because the thing I always say is it's it's not bewitched in the 1960s anymore. Like people are too people care too much about these things in order to just recast without mm. like if a character is any bigger than like Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, you really can't recast them because they're inextricable. And especially Chadwick, who made him he made himself Black Panther and not as like a cheesy thing because he wanted to take that weight on. And so I don't know. I think that this is just the way to go. And even if, you know, Prince T'Challa doesn't immediately make waves in the story, and I imagine he won't because he's not that old, just knowing he's out there and knowing that, you know, because even without him, like, obviously the legacy is still living on with Nakia, it's still living on with Shuri, that it, that's yeah. what this movie is kind of about. It's it's about grief. And I think the way it ends in regards to T'Challa is that, like, it's the beauty of the ancestral plane concept in Wakanda is that, no one really is ever dead because you hold them with them. And that's something that even if you don't have the essential plane, that's something we all can kind of live with. Even if you're not religious, like the people that I've lost in my life live, like everyone's affected by everyone they interact with. And in that way, even if you don't create art, if I can contradict this thing I said earlier, no one ever mm-hmm. dies, period. Because the characters in the movie will live with T'Challa and everyone who is involved with the movie will live with Chadwick Boseman. And that is the thing that I got out of this last bit. Man, you couldn't have you couldn't have said that better. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, like again, salute to Ryan Coogler for what he accomplished here. Uh, this was something that could not have been easy in any stretch of the imagination, and what he ended up doing was something incredibly special that I think we, as fans and and as people, will never forget. A truly human experience from an emotional standpoint, and. It was as great of a tribute to Chadwick as you could ever get. And overall, as a movie, I think everybody showed out and did what they had to do and made it not only a cathartic experience for us, but an, an enjoyable one at the same time. Because even through all that, well, even through all the tears and the sadness and kind of like the just the the emotion of uh, and sadness of uh, losing Chadwick just seeing these people come together and like Jake said, create something so artistic um, was truly something wonderful. So a salute to Ryan Cooler, salute to the cast, salute to Wakanda forever. And um, always rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Just an an incredible movie to talk about was really awesome to talk about it with you guys tonight. Uh, Appreciate you for joining us, Bethany. Thank you for joining us for the first time. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Yeah, not the last. Not the last, not the last. We will definitely have you back on. So, Bethany, b- before we go, where can we follow you? Where can we find what you're doing? Oh, man, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at LoveQueenB. That's spelled L-O-V-E-Q-U-E-E-N-B-E-E. Um, everything is there. I'm I'm just talking shit, you know. yeah you you love to see it love to see it appreciate (laughs) having you on of course friend of the show tyler 
we 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 know the follows, but th- tell us about Jenkins and Jones. Yeah, man. Um, you know, y'all can find me on Twitter, Dragonfly Jones. Um, my my podcast, me and the homies, John and Mike, aka Lejethro Jenkins and Garnabasio <laughs> on on Twitter. Uh, find us on the Volume Network there. Um, you know, always good co- hopping on with y'all. Pleasure meeting you, Bethany. Looking forward to doing this again sometime. For yeah, sure. a lot of love, brother. Appreciate it. And Jake Christie. You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Uh, if Twitter stops working, I am on Instagram <laughs> at Jake T. You know, I'm about to blow this bitch up, man. <laughs> I, you understand that. I, and, and Tyler, I know you're the same. I I don't like to use Wolf of Wall Street references because most people who do are problematic white guys, but it really is the I'm not leaving thing. Like, I'm not leaving. Like, Elon Musk didn't have to fucking burn Twitter HQ to the ground. But with that being said, I am on Instagram, Jake T. Christie. Awesome, awesome stuff. And yes, you can follow me on on the Twitter as long as it's still alive at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. Jake put together the IG and the uh, where we also on TikTok now. Yeah, I made so, one TikTok. Yeah, so there you go. So we got we got a couple <laughs> of those things going as well. Um, appreciate everybody supporting. We got the Patreon, patreon.com slash MC University Pod, where you can not only get into our Discord, but all of the bonus oh. content that we do. We released a Fast and the Furious uh, episode earlier this month. Great we will stuff. be reviewing those movies as we go. Yes. So appreciate everybody for supporting and appreciate everybody for listening. For Tyler, for Bethany, and Jake Christie, I'm Anthony Canton Third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University. We will talk to you next time. Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs>